Lord, if there is a road we should walk, help us to find it. And as we travel on the road of life, help us to avoid the dangerous detours that present themselves. And to always follow you, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are continuing in our road trip sermon series, and today's theme is Dangerous Detours. Have you ever taken a detour that later you really regretted having taken when you were on a trip somewhere? I read a news report about a man from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, who took a detour from the main highway. And it was a rather dangerous detour. For you see, he decided to ignore the road sign that said, Bridge Out. And this was the result. Yeah. And that's not the whole story. The man had actually stolen that truck. And so before he took his dangerous detour from the highway, he had already taken a dangerous detour from the law. And for that, he was arrested. Today, we're going to talk about dangerous detours in terms of our spiritual life and living out our life under God's grace. You know, on this road trip that we call life, we need to heed the warning signs that are there. You know, if you think about it, warning signs are there for our protection. For example, this sign is a helpful sign, danger, wrong way, turn back. You don't want to find yourself going the wrong way on a freeway exit or, or entrance ramp. Warning signs are there for our protection. Well, likewise, God himself has given us some warning signs, if you will, his commandments, we call them, his instructions on how we are to live. And God gives them to us for our protection. You know, the laws, the commandments, they're not there to be mean to us. God actually loves us enough to give us limitations for our own protection so we don't end up hurting ourselves. And if you think about it, on the road trip of life, there are real benefits in living the way God intended for us to live. Psalm 119.1 says... You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. There really are real benefits in living life God's way. It brings joy to live life God's way. And yet, what's, what's the reality in our lives? Very often, we sinful human beings take what we might call dangerous detours away from God's will. So today I want to take a look at two Bible stories uh, that feature two different people who took dangerous detours on the road trip of their lives and then to draw some lessons from, their, from those stories that we can apply to our own road trip story. And the first story is that that was read from the Old Testament today, the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah the prophet of God. He was a prophet of Israel. And yet, Jonah took a dangerous detour. Let me read the opening verses of the story again. 
It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Wow. God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh and proclaim his word to those people, but instead, Jonah went down to the port city of Joppa in order to get on a ship heading west to the town of Tarshish. Now, here's a picture of what Joppa looks like today. You can see it's a port city. It is now known as Jaffa, J-A-F-F-A, in Israel, a port city. And so that's where Jonah went to get on a ship. So Jonah, the prophet of the Lord, wants to run away from the Lord by fleeing to the town of Tarshish. To get an idea of where these different places are, take a look at this map. So as you can see from this map, Tarshish is in the direct opposite direction from Nineveh. Nineveh is to the northeast. In fact, by the way, ancient Nineveh is in northern Iraq today. In fact, there's a, a, the gates of Nineveh are still standing there. And you see where Joppa is on the coast of Israel. That's where Jonah went. And instead of heading northeast, he got on a ship heading directly west in the opposite direction. And Jonah's decision would prove to be a very dangerous detour. Dangerous not only for himself, but dangerous for others as well who were also on that ship. The Bible says that the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. You think about it, how, how true it is that our bad decisions, our dangerous detours, if you will, become dangerous not just for ourselves but for other people around us. Some people have the attitude, well, you know, I, I'm just doing this and I'm not hurting anybody else. But the reality is what you do does impact others. It, is, it does have a communal effect on society. When we take a dangerous detour, when we make a decision against the will of the Lord, it impacts others. Anytime we do that is dangerous. Well, it certainly affected the people on that ship. The sailors were all frightened by this terrible storm. And in the course of a conversation with Jonah, they ask him, what is it that you've done? And, and Jonah admits that this was all his fault, that, that he had strayed away from the Lord and this is all his doing. And when they ask them what to do, he tells them to throw him into the sea. And so then the sailors took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea then grew calm. And the Bible says, At this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, if we just stopped at that part of the story, we might say, okay, this is a story about a guy that messed up and the consequences. And, and that, I guess, has lessons in it enough. But really, there's much more to the story. And that is that there's good news in this story. 
And here's the good news, that the Lord then provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, you might say, oh, why does that sound like good news? It doesn't sound good to me at all to be swallowed by a fish. And some people think it was a whale. We don't really know what it was. The Bible says it's a great fish. Whatever it was, it was large enough to swallow a man whole and have him be alive on the inside. But the good news, you see, is this was God's way of saving Jonah and God's way of giving him another chance. And it tells us that Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. The Lord had saved Jonah's life. And now in the belly of the great fish, Jonah prays. He prays a prayer. In fact, his prayer is the entire second chapter of the book. There's four chapters in Jonah. We only covered the first chapter. You might want to read the rest of the book this week and take a look at that prayer of his in chapter number two. There, Jonah, after trying to run away from God, turns to God in humble prayer. You know, that could almost be a definition of repentance. Turning away from our own self-centeredness and our sin and turning to the one who can solve our problem, God himself. It's doing a 180-degree turn away from self to God. And that's what Jonah did in the belly of that fish. And the good news out of this story is that, friends, God is a God of second chances. God gave Jonah a second chance. He not only saved his life physically, he then he forgave his sins and he recommissioned Jonah to then go on and continue his work in Nineveh. That fish spit him out on the shore and he continued on, went to Nineveh and proclaimed the word to the people. But now I have some questions for you. What dangerous detours have you taken? In what ways have you gone in the opposite direction from God and His will? And isn't it time to stop running away from God? Isn't it time to do a 180? Isn't it time to turn around in repentance? Isn't it time to finally experience God's gracious second chance. For you see, what he offered to Jonah, he offers to each one of us. Each one of us who have gone on a dangerous detour, he offers a second chance. God forgave Jonah and God will forgive you and me as well. And let's just say this clearly. Nothing, I underscore it, nothing is too big or too bad for God to forgive. That's how much he loves us. He is the God of second chances. And step one, of course, is acknowledging that we do have a problem. Acknowledging that we are sinners in need of his grace. Admitting that we need his help. And then turning to God in faith. Turning to the one who loves us more than anybody else. The one who proved how much he loves us by giving his son Jesus on a cross to pay the penalty for all our sins. Yes, Jesus died to forgive Jonah and to forgive you and me as well. You see, if, if God can forgive Jonah and God can forgive someone like David 
And God can forgive Saul, later Paul. And God can forgive the ancient Israelites. If God can forgive Alan Rose now, God can forgive you. No matter what it is, nothing's too big. That's the story of Jonah. God is a God of second chances. And that brings us to story number two, the story from our gospel lesson today, which is about someone who took a dangerous detour but later experienced a second chance. The the person comes up actually in a parable, a story that Jesus told. Parables are are not uh, based on actual stories, actual events, but parables have sometimes been called an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus tells these parables as a way of teaching the truths of the kingdom of God, truths about God's relationship with people. And so he tells this parable about a man who had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Give me my share of the estate. Now, just hearing those words might not have that much of an impact on us sitting here today, but I want you to consider for a moment what a huge insult that was to his father. Father, give me my share of the estate. He's basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead because you only got your inheritance after your father had passed away. Father, give me my share of the estate now. Father's heart must have been broken. But he divided his property between the two sons. And the younger son gathered his belongings and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living, the Bible says. That younger son went on a very dangerous detour in his life. As the story goes on, he spends everything that he has and he finds himself in great need because a severe famine comes upon this land, this faraway land he went to, and now he's really in trouble. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed pigs. Now, don't miss this little detail of the story, friends. Think about this. Jesus is telling this story about a Jewish man who is now sent to feed pigs. A man for whom pigs were considered an unclean animal. You wouldn't even touch them. And now he has to care for them. And he's even longing for the food that the pigs are eating just to have something for himself. And he realizes his wretched condition. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. You can hear the remorse in the young son's voice. However, even though he shows remorse, notice that this this young man comes up with his own solution to the problem. 
He's basically saying, I will go to my father and I'll say to him, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. In other words, he's coming up with the solution himself. He's going to strike a deal with his dad. If you do this, then I'll be back in good graces. But as we go on with the story, the father has a whole different approach in mind. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. For the father, this wasn't about striking any kind of deal. This was about receiving his son back with enthusiasm and joy. And friends, just consider for a moment the magnanimous love of the father for his son. The text tells us that the father runs to his son. In that day and age and in that culture, men didn't run. You didn't run. It was undignified. In fact, you typically wore a long gown. In order to run, you'd have to pull that gown up in order to make headway, exposing your bare legs. And in that culture, in that day, for a man to expose his bare legs was absolutely humiliating. You would never do it. And yet this father did. He ran to his son. You see, for the father, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about how he looked. It was about the fact that his son was home. And he loved his son. He was eager to welcome him back. Nothing else mattered. And you see, friends, in this parable, as we see how the father restores his wayward son, Jesus, who's telling this parable, is showing us that every single one of us is welcome back into the loving arms of our Heavenly Father. That's what this story is about. Anyone who's gone on a dangerous detour, anyone who's wandered away from the Lord, anyone who's pulled a Jonah, who comes back, is welcomed back by the Father. No matter what kind of dangerous detour you've taken, your Heavenly Father is eager to open His arms and welcome you home. You know, in the parable, the Father's words about His Son are so incredibly profound. He says, Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this Son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And in the Father's conversation with the older son who was rather resentful of all of this that was going on with that wandering prodigal. He repeats that phrase to the older son about his younger son. He says he was lost and is found and therefore we must celebrate for that is worth celebrating. You know, later in his ministry Jesus then said these words. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus sought after us when he came into this world. We call it the Christmas miracle. And he was given the name Yeshua in Hebrew, which means one who saves. And he came into this world to accomplish the meaning of his name, to seek and to save that which was lost. 
He did that for you and me, and he desires to do that for every wanderer who's out there, everyone out there who's gone on a dangerous detour, people you know, no doubt, co-workers, friends, maybe even relatives, neighbors. Whom do you know who's out there wandering, lost, needing to be found? Jesus saved us when he gave his life on a cross as payment for all of our waywardness, for all of our dangerous detouring. There at the cross, all sin was paid for, the sin of every wanderer out there. And he wants every one of them to know that they can be welcomed home. And as surely as God delivered Jonah out of the huge fish on the third day, so also God raised Jesus out of the grave on the third day, victorious over sin, death, Satan, and hell. That's the good news that we have to share with this world. All of this God did because he loves you as your good, good father. All of this because you are his beloved daughter or son. And all of this so that you can know that you are always welcome in the home of your loving father. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Savior, for by his grace, we who were lost, we who were wandering detours, have been found. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.